I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And I'm sitting in a slightly different spot, as I was just telling you, than I usually am. Uh, because in a couple minutes, there is going to be a Canada-USA men's curling match in the round robin of the Winter Olympics. And I decided, you know what? Curling is so fun to watch that I'm going to sit here and watch it while I record this podcast. And speaking of the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, I was the winner of last week's draft, rightfully so. Outrageous. Earning 63% of the vote from the fans for a whopping 63%, some might say, for my remarkable collection of winter sports. Uh, Among them were the luge and the skeleton. What do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) I've never seen a top. This was a this this is a real kingmaker draft at the top of it. Apparently, I I gotta say, I I thought I had it in the bag. Um, I thought maybe I screwed up by not taking figure skating the second round. You know, just just for some variety. But otherwise, I thought I thought you know lo- the loose skeleton combo. I thought it should have sunk you. I thought it should have sunk you. Uh, but the people have spoken. Um, and you were you were telling me maybe it's maybe it's because we host a hockey podcast. So the team that drafted the sport of hockey, uh, won the draft. Uh, or maybe I just happen to uh, have no gauge of what the people like um, in winter sports. But you did just acknowledge that uh, you're even you're you've got curling on in the background. Um, so you know maybe maybe I did have the objectively better team, despite what the uh, fake news fans have to say. <laughs> fake news fans? No, I never I never said uh, that curling is bad. I love curling. I even said right after yes, you drafted it, there goes all the good sports. I'm a I'm a massive curling fan. I was hoping that you wouldn't draft it because of that uh but either way things turned out well for me as i won the draft and funnily enough i found like after that dra- that's the one remember last week we finished draft and i was like yeah my team's okay and that, that's the one i won that's like the second or third draft i've ever won and it's the team i was least confident in oh man i think i think it goes what, what does that show what does that tell us um in terms of your draft philosophy is it that Maybe it's good to be inserted. Maybe it's your arrogance during your debates that that turn the people off. Maybe my working theory is that it's really just ice hockey dragged me to the victory. All right. So, all right. Fair enough. It's good. It's good of you to admit arrogance that. has anything to do with it. There we yeah. go. Okay. So yeah, you let your picks do the talking this time, and uh, unfortunately, uh-huh. I lost. Well, you are still to blame because you picked drafting winter olympics knowing full well i would have the first pick so yeah, that's didn't. potentially an error in judgment on your part that that, that that one's on me for sure um i'll be sure to fi- I'll, I'll i'll figure it out. i'll have the first pick next time which is the upside of losing um if you can if you can put it that way uh so uh you know hopefully hopefully it'll be the a great thing about losing is you'll have a better chance of winning next time there we go <laughs> So uh, I think that's what we've established is good, and I'm excited now. Uh, not not often I have the first overall pick, uh, humble brag. Uh, so you know I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, let's move on now to the team that we decided we would be discussing this week, the ones, the onlys, Ottawa Senators, who were a, a two and two this week, which is higher than their season average by a significant amount. They beat the New Jersey Devils four to one. And then the mighty Carolina Hurricanes, 4-3. Uh, and then got shut out twice in a row, 2 nothing to the Penguins and the Bruins. Uh, so they haven't scored a goal in over over seven periods at this point as we currently speak. Uh, but let's, let's start with the positives. Start early in the week. Their win over the Devils. Uh, they gave up the first goal. Nico Hischer tipped in a shot on the power play very soon into the power play, I'm pretty sure. Um, then a little later on, Nick Paul 
was left open in front. Ties the game 1-1. Uh, Nick Holden scored. Adam Gaudet scored. Uh, and my biggest takeaway from this game is that Matt Murray actually looked pretty good. And throughout the week, the other games Matt Murray played, he looked he looked pretty good to great. Uh, and that's not something that had been on my radar at all going into this week for the Senators, especially considering that Ottawa hasn't been winning much still. But I guess Matt Murray's maybe stint in the minors did him a lot of good. And now he's back to being starting caliber, at least for the last little while. Yeah, he's played 16 games this, uh, this year so far. And I uh, guess his save percentage right now so far. For the entire season? For the entire season. Oh, uh, I have no idea. 9-11. He is 9-22. Um, what? Yeah, I'm not shitting you. Uh, he just plays behind the dog shit team, but he's been uh, surprisingly good. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe people will look at him on the fantasy waiver wire at some point. Uh, I know he's been added in a bunch of leagues this week um, because, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He was uh, he was great um, in basically all the games he played. Uh, it's just that, you know, with the, with the, the two losses in later in the week, um, he they just had zero offense. In front of him, uh, and it was uh, it was a there were goaltending performances that were you know deserving of wins. Uh, if he wasn't playing, you know, behind one of the worst teams in NHL, and uh, yeah, that's they they you know you know aside from, like you know so if you look at the Devils game. Um, first of all, you know, it's, it's a your typical game in the middle of the season between two bad teams, uh, and yeah, the, the, I mean, it it didn't it, it didn't look particularly slanted. Um, so that's your first indication that the Sens aren't exactly a juggernaut even when they won 4-1. Uh, I mean, like, you know, they, for, for vast swaths of time, I find, um, throughout the week, they just kind of, like, fall asleep. Uh, they don't show up. And, you know, the opposition kind of kind of hems them in the zone for long stretches of time. Um, and this game was, you know, the, the the second period to start it off, I thought it was all Devils. Uh, and then, you know what, they scored two quick goals, this ended. And then, uh, well, it's the Devils. They're not going to come back from anything. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the Sens... Look like the Sens, and you know they're missing two big pieces in Norris and Batherson. Um, and uh, they played appropriately, at least their skaters did, um, even while Murray overachieved. Yeah, I I don't really think of their lapses as being falling asleep as much much as just the the, the lack of personnel, especially on defense. Like those times they do get hemmed in, which are you know they show up relatively often. Uh, a lot of times it's just because Nikita Zaitsev or Josh Brown just isn't that good. That's that's the main problem with it, I think. Uh, which perhaps is a decent segue into the odd decision that is Victor Mete being healthy scratched every single game this week. Um, I don't know if that's... I don't think he's been like scratched all season. I think he's played a decent amount. Uh, but I guess not lately. I guess he's fallen out of favor there, maybe. Uh, which, is, which is too bad. But I gotta say, uh, the Habs should be hoping... He ends up on waivers again soon because, of course, they have first priority. And perhaps as an organization, they'd be able to rectify their awful mistake they've they made last April in waiving him, uh, which we were very frustrated by and which is documented on this very podcast. Um, but th- with, uh, you know, especially Josh Brown on defense kind of being not that good and closer to the fringe of the lineup than Nikita Zaitsev is, some sense fans either want to see Matega back in or would rather see a younger player like Jacob Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson get called up and put back in. Personally, I would say leave them in Belleville, uh, where where I think they're both doing pretty well. At least I know Lassie Thompson's doing pretty well. Uh, and there's also Michael Delzado down there when I was looking at their organizational <laughs> depth chart. Who's, I, I was looking at his year. He started the year in Ottawa with six points in 10 games, 
got put on waivers, sent to the AHL. And I vaguely remember him like being pretty upset about it. And like, I would be too, if I had started the year off that well. Uh, And he's back in the AHL for the first time since, since 2011. And he's over a point per game there. Michael Delzato in the American (laughs) hockey league. Uh, And he's just been, been chilling in Belleville while Josh Brown is totally tanking this ends. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could say DJ Smith has uh, some kind of unusual affinity for Josh Brown that I can't quite figure out. Yeah, really, it's the the, the whole right side of the defense is uh is bad to to put it lightly. Um, I thought I thought Artem Zub is a star. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? My bad. Uh, I thought the left side actually held up. You know, I, I think it's really just the right side of the defense at this point. You know, you have Shabbat. Uh, I mean, I thought he looked fine out there. He made a he made a boneheaded move at one point. I think it was in the. Uh, which which one was it? Was it was it the pen? It was the pen's goal, right? Um, it was it was Carter's goal. I think it was a bad giveaway by Shabbat, and I was fine. I thought Nick Holden looked good over the course of the week. Um, he kind of stood out. Um, but yeah, it's that right side. Zaitsev especially playing first line minutes, first pair of minutes. Uh, and yeah, you the aforementioned Josh Brown. Um, it's like yeah, why don't you roll out these other people? Because these people are actively you know and you know acting as anchors on uh on the defense. So uh, yeah, kind of a confusing personnel decision there from DJ Smith. Not, but at the end of the day, you know what's how much is the Michael Delzal going to move the needle? And more than more than anything, it's kind of a red flag on uh, Smith's personnel evaluation skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, that other game I want to talk about against they're winning against Carolina. That game was very interesting. I thought uh, the main story they were up four nothing after the second period and had a terrible third period. Gave up three goals, barely held on. Um, Brady Kachuk had two goals, one of which was the first goal of the game where he shot the puck slash tried to center the puck uh, from behind the net. But it hit Sebastian Ajo in the stomach, and then the puck bounced past Antiranta, one nothing sends, and the goal was Kachuk's. And I thought, you know, I feel like this goal is a pretty great metaphor for how the Sens could possibly ever hope to achieve success. Uh, and I also <laughs> thought, you know, Brady Kachuk, um, besides just being the captain, I think is very representative of what the Senators are, which is they try hard and they have fun, um, but they just aren't good enough. And <laughs> I know Brady Kachuk, I know Brady Kachuk is like the best or second best player on this team, probably, uh, especially with Norris and Batherson out. Um, but it's it's no secret that if Brady Kachuk is your top forward, you're probably not gonna make the playoffs or make any noise when once you get there. Nothing against Brady Kachuk himself, and I think that uh, that's pretty indicative of how the entire Sens roster looks. Yeah, basically, um, they just they don't have they don't have the talent on their roster, right? It goes up and down the lineup. They have they have okay players. They have even good to great players. Um, I mean, you know, you have three forwards, and you know, you have a couple of injured forwards in Norris and Batherson who have had you know great seasons even. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, if you, if, you know, if you have Norris and Batson having great seasons and they're like, you know, your top three forwards and you really have not much else to show for it. Um, Stutzel has been, been solid, uh, in a sophomore season and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an okay forward group at the top and then, but you know, it's, it, it's barely okay. It's like treading water. Um, and the, the roster just isn't good enough, right? Across the board. Um, there's nothing to really wow you. Uh, and it's, it's no surprise where they are. They are in the in the standings. Yeah. Um, I kept thinking back, especially during the next two games, they got shut out in both of them. No offense at all. 
two nothing loss to Pittsburgh, two nothing loss to Boston. I kept thinking of right before the season started when Pierre Dorian said, "The rebuild is over. It's time <laughs> to compete," or whatever, something like that. And even at the time, when expectations were like a little higher for the Sands, like, "Oh, maybe they'll challenge for a playoff spot this year," were what the most hopeful were saying. Uh, people were like Pierre, there's no way that 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 statement could possibly look good on you in any way. And I know I even at the time I tried to defend him a little bit and say like, Oh, I think all he's saying is like, he's not planning on selling for futures anymore, which is potentially still true. Uh, but, but either way, uh, it is clear that the senators are not in their contention window. No, absolutely not. And, and speaking of selling window, uh, I fully anticipate for them to sell on the trade deadline. Uh, why wouldn't you? Uh, it's uh, apparently I, I saw an article just now. Um, that was about that was just talking about how they're they're apparently getting a lot of calls from teams. Uh, one of the more active call, you know, one of the more active teams as a seller um, so far. And uh, for the Sands, why not? Because uh, you know, if if it's one game that really showed you how far away you are from you know wild card contention, uh, it would be that last Bruins game um, where you know obviously the Bruins are the walkout team walkout team right now in the Atlantic uh, and in the Eastern, and uh, they they just got rolled. Now now given it it is probably is. Uh, maybe the fatigue was a factor. I thought, you know, especially out of the gate, they looked slow as hell um, in, in that game this afternoon. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just it was just the Bruins kind of rolling over in the sense they never really had a had a defined period where they were just the better team. Uh, and, yeah, they, they couldn't find the offense. They didn't have any players that kind of stepped up and, uh, you know, managed to put some points on the board. Yeah. Uh, looking at their cap friendly page now, they actually do have some pretty decent uh, pending UFA pieces. Um, I okay. So here are some of them. Well, first of all, there's Josh Brown. Maybe that's why they keep playing and they want to try to boost his value. Look how often he plays. This must he must be good. Um, and uh, you've also got Tyler Ennis, who I wanted to shout out because he's been killing it lately. Uh, and I even he stuck out a couple of times getting scoring chances. I think he had a goal in, in one of the games, or at least almost did. Um, and I think he had a hat trick not long ago too. Uh, Nick Paul, that's a pretty good player. Uh. I do have a feeling, though, Pierre Dorian is like a massive Nick Paul fan. He's yeah. going to try to extend him. He's only 26. He can be a part of this, the future. Core. Um, and we got Zach Sanford with some Stanley Cup pedigree. So, you know, that'll boost his value by one or two rounds. And then we got Chris Tierney, who's a center. So that'll boost his value by one or two rounds. Uh, so if they wanted to, the Sens could make out pretty well at this deadline. Um, but... I still think Pierre Dorian is going to to not sell that much. I think I think maybe he'll trade Ennis. I think maybe he'll trade Tierney because I think he's kind of been playing a little less than he has in recent years. I think he's going to try to hold on to like at least two or three of these guys, and definitely Nick Paul will be there just because of that thing he said at the start of the year that he doesn't want to be rebuilding anymore. Yeah, no, that's... That's a, that's a fair prediction. I would hope for the Sen's sake um, that they do offload as many of these pieces as they can. Um, if, if Eugene gives the green light, maybe even retain some salary uh, on these contracts. Because, uh, uh, you know, $3.5 million for Chris Tierney isn't, isn't appetizing uh, if I'm a contender. Um, but, you know, at half that, uh, what is that, 1.7, uh, 1.9, whatever it is, somewhat appetizing. So uh, somewhat more appetizing. So, you know. Um, yeah, I my my advice would be to uh, get as many assets as you can, uh, to, because the, yeah, the rebuild is not over. You can see it on the ice. 
it's not like this team is uh it's not like this team is particularly underachieving this is this is who they are this is the talent level it's reflected in their results so uh you know it's it's time to sell sorry sorry pierre sorry to break it to you like this mm-hmm. sorry to the other pierre too the two pierres oh P- pierre mcguire that's right uh maybe th- maybe pierre mcguire is the reason josh brown can't get out of the lineup josh asked brown do you ever think about that i wonder <laughs> i wonder how much of actual like sense day-to-day stuff pierre mcguire has a say in like what would be different about the sense now if pierre mcguire hadn't been hired <laughs> <laughs> they'd be in they'd be first in the atlantic no, oh, no doubt about it he's a he's a he's a management liability um yeah no like like this year look at that they got they have six picks in the first three rounds um so you know nice keep, keep stockpiling it, it's rebuild season who are you fucking kidding there's no there's no run of unparalleled success it, that's that's a, that's a giant eugene misty cloud of nonsense so 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 get on with it sell your players that's gonna be one of the funniest quotes ever <laughs> unparalleled success it's too what funny. are you talking about it's too funny the use of the world unparalleled meet those expectations <laughs> The Canadians won five Stanley Cups in a row in the seventies. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh man, yeah, absolutely. So, so literally, that what was it? They, he he called it a five-year window, didn't he? Or, or was that what of it was? Unparalleled success. Exactly. So We're literally, the a better five years than anyone in NHL history ever has. <laughs> the best they can do is literally just be parallel. Um. So <laughs> this is inherently false. So and also, also win the President's Trophy every year. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's that's what we predicted out of this. This squad led by six million dollar Matt Murray. Um, yeah, yeah. In conclusion, the Senators will win the President's Trophy five years in a row, starting last season. <laughs> and they're going to retroactively sweep all four series to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be wild. Well, it just—I mean, I knew Brady Kachuk was on like an eight, was making an eight plus million AAV for a long time because he like just signed that deal at the start of the season. Yeah. But looking on it on this cat friendly page, it's like, wow, is that an overpay? Especially the second, you know, the second highest paid forward on the census now, it's Connor Brown, 3.6. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, well. no, that's not true. That's not true because yeah. I, I didn't account for the IR where Drake Batherson is at 4.975 and then Colin White at 4.7. Oh, I, I sure like, I sure like the Batherson contract better than the fucking Colin White one. Um, Indeed. Yeah, but uh, no, it's 8 million. At this stage, I I get the principle of lock Brady catch up, you know, lock him up for as long as you as long as you can. Um, but until he's thirty, uh, and it feels like yeah, his ceiling is is a bit lower. I think that's what we we kind of talked about um when he was being drafted, right? Uh, when you compared him to players like you know Zadina, who we thought should have gone third. Um, it was like you know he's he seems like a solid player, but his ceiling does seem a bit lower. Uh, and uh, here they are. Tying themselves to him for the next eight years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like Philip Zadina has surpassed Brady right. Kachuk at all. Like at this time, looking back at that draft, uh, Kachuk is probably was probably the right pick at that slot. Um, unless, well, I, I guess at the time, anyone besides Zadina or Kachuk would have been a massive shock at fourth overall. Quinn Hughes is probably the only other one in that range who we could have been like within the realm of possibility and also arguably better than Brady Kachuk. Um, but I think of everything we can slam the sends for, the Kachuk pick probably is not it, uh, especially considering Montreal probably would have loved in hindsight to have him rather than uh, 
Yasperi Kotkaniemi, which turned into Christian Dvorak pretty soon. Right, yeah, I was going to say, as the... <laughs> they turned into the lack of Jesperi Kakaniemi very yeah. quickly. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's uh, you know. But then again, the the Kakaniemi pick was when you talk about like you know players who could conceivably have gone at that in that range. Well, we didn't think Kakaniemi could you know conceivably go in that range. Um, sure, we did. Well, like you know, it was rumored, but nobody was like, this guy's a top three caliber talent. Um, well, apparently some people were, um, <laughs> but, but no, I remember like, uh, he had a massive rise up the rankings right. very late in the season. I think cause he had a really strong under 18 or something, um, for Finland. And all of a sudden he went from like projected in the mid teens to number five on Bob's list in the final ranking. Uh, and Bob McKenzie was like, yeah, a bunch of scouts have him in the top five, which is why he's ranked number five. Uh, and if Montreal went for him at number three, which everyone's saying is going to happen in a few days, it wouldn't be a, considered a reach. Um, but And then they did that, and we were devastated. Uh, not shocked. I think you pretended to be shocked because you were in denial. I was, but I was denial. not. Yeah. I was I was not surprised at all. Uh, and people who hadn't been keeping up with the updated draft rankings since like a couple months prior were extremely surprised especially remember that lady with like the wide open mouth of course i was the meme (laughs) i was trying to slide her into the conversation yeah (laughs) yeah how could you forget and i i think i'm remembering it correctly that she had like the hockey news draft preview magazine with her where (laughs) kakanyemi was ranked 18th and that which is maybe if that was uh the um the what, what she was most focused on in terms of draft knowledge I could totally understand why she would have been absolutely stunned. Right. Yeah. No. So, so that's that. And then quickly followed by, well, shocking pick that was number five, right? Uh, Forever Barrett Hayton. Um, oh, of course. Beautiful. Anyways, that's, 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 that's uh, a lot for a 2018 draft tangent. Um, but, but yeah, all this to say, uh, Sen's roster, not looking, not looking too, too uh, locked up for the future. You know, it's uh, a lot of it seems up in the air. Because they, it, you know, they have some pieces, but you know, it doesn't seem enough to take the really the next step forward. Speaking of that, uh, that twenty eighteen draft, which I, you were trying to move off of, but I'm going back to it now. <laughs> um, the the sen and what's the staying on the senators actually? Oh. They actually had the twenty second overall pick in that draft, and then traded down, and the Rangers moved up. Uh, and the Rangers took Keandre Miller, and the Sens got Jacob Bernard Docker and Jonathan Tyconic. So I'm sure the Sens would love to have Keandre Miller right about now. Or if not, then they still had uh, Rasmus Sandin, Joe Valeno, etc. on the board at number 26. So there's one potentially botched pick. Yeah, very suspect. Um, yeah, J- <laughs> JBD. Hey, you never know. Maybe he'll make the he'll get back into the lineup this year. But uh, yeah, no, we laughed at that pick when that happened, right? And uh, you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't aged particularly well since then. Not especially, no. Uh, uh, before I move off the sends, one more thing I want to point out, which is um, goal song reviews. I hate the sends goal song. It sucks. Uh, this is the one that goes, woohoo! Woohoo! I think this is terrible because it's clear whoever chose the song wants a sing-along style goal song. You want the fans to chant along, woo-hoo, uh, which would be nice if the woo-hoo 
in the actual song weren't ridiculously out of tune every time and it was the exact same thing just on loop uh and not is not even a particularly enthusiastic voice yeah um so terrible selection all around the senators should pick a new goal song and then maybe they will score more because they'll have more incentive to do so who picks these things who picks these things um because uh (laughs) you think you think melnick's a big woohoo guy or is it? Oh yeah. Or is it just like a, a an ill-informed marketing department um, trying to trying to hype up the fans with the with the woohoo? Um, yeah, no, it's terribly boring. There's no identity in it. You know, there's no fun. Woohoo! Uh, it, <laughs> that there, there's a big there's a, there's a very low ceiling to that song, um, and it's and it's yeah. and it's the entire arena saying woohoo at the same time, which uh, <laughs> yeah. you know I can't yeah. say I love it. I can't say uh, I love if you're that. Try- and with with what the rhythm is there, it's not even that easy to actually say woohoo in an enthusiastic way at that speed. Woohoo, right? It kind yeah, of yeah. sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, all, it's all around stupid. It comes at a weird time sometimes, you know, just like, you know, it just it, it gets you off your chanting game. It's just it's not very rhythmic. You know, it's like it's not rhythmically intuitive. You got to really like think to fucking time it up, you know. And uh, so can't have this. Uh, can't have this. It's terrible. Yeah. The- yeah, the woo is on the pickup and the who Ex- is on the down. Exactly, that's what I mean. Um, so, yeah, no, that's it's a D minus, D minus. Get get something fun. What what's a good what's a good goal song? We've had this. Well, did we have this conversation? We had we had the uh, break time conversation. Um, it's between Whistle the sporting event, yeah, right. which could also play as a goal song because huh? you are technically between play. Um, but yeah, I could think of a million fun goal songs if I wanted to. Uh, honestly, most things from Phineas and Fur would work fine. Here we go. Uh, or High School Musical. It would do wonders. It would do one. It would make people happy. Meanwhile, this does not make anybody actively happy. There's not a single person Uh in the arena. They're, they're happy about the goal. They're not happy about the song. Um, so, you know, it's a net zero song and we don't love that. So, boo, terrible. Pick a new one. Get creative. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was about to say, as we were saying during All Star Show last week, perhaps the me me channel music would work, but I don't think that would work as a no, goal song. Not as hype. That, that's much better. That's much better as an intermission song. Yep, You're probably the, right. the most optimal intermission song in the world. Can't oh, think 100. of anyone better. No, me neither. Um, aside from maybe you know the heart, the heavy metal is between whistles. Um, but uh, no, no, you, you it, it wouldn't work as a goal song. And I'm uh, I'm thinking right now about what a good idea would be. I can't think of anything on the dot, um, but it, give me five minutes uninterrupted and I could probably figure one out uh, better than, than Woohoo. I, I don't think there are any lyrics to that song, are there? Um, that's that's lame. That's terrible. Well, we already know what the best goal song in the world is, which is Hey Baby um, from the World Juniors, of course. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's got to be something in that. And oh, I feel like actually now I'm thinking we may have had this discussion before. Because I'm getting slight deja vu and talking about how Call Me Maybe would be a good goal oh, song. <laughs> and things things of that era. Oh, I remember now, We Don't Even Have to Try, It's Always a Good Time, oh, which I was saying go. last week, which I was saying last week and talking about good songs uh, to play at the All-Star Game or good musical acts to have. Yeah. That would be the best, the very best goal song in the world. There we go. We don't even have to try. Because also... That that suits the purpose of being really annoying to the other team, especially the line we don't even have to try talking about how easy it was that we just scored on you. Uh, perfect, perfect. You'll you'll psych about it. Oh my god, incredible! See, you always come up with brilliant ideas here. 
Um, Thanks. Force, just, force... Took, this just took a few minutes on that one. Exactly. Oh my God. The efficiency. Insane. Insane. Um, no, honestly though, like think about it. A team puts that on, you know, you buy the licensing rights or whatever it is. And like, you know, all of a sudden you create some engagement out of nothing. You know, you got some Twitter shit going on. People talking about it on Twitter. Who wouldn't talk about good time on yeah. Twitter? Nobody, nobody thought about woohoo except on this podcast where we're just <laughs> roasting it and coming up with alternatives. Um, so, you know, this is, there's only upside and, uh, you know, they, 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 they uh, yeah. Good time is also an extremely fun and easy song to sing along to, especially the, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, oh, who's not, who's not singing along to that? Exactly. Good luck. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't imagining they play the whole song, uh, but you know, what? why not? Why not? Well, that part's like right, right at the main part. Well, oh, it is. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. Well, there we Imagine go. Imagine every, every goal we need to take off a full three and a half minutes <laughs> to listen to the entire song. <laughs> the goal goes in, you start hearing like the, the guitar in the opening, <laughs> <laughs> choreography and everything. Beautiful, beautiful. Like Adam Gaudet and Alex Formanton get out there like doing their little salsa shimmy or whatever. I don't know. Oh yeah, this is this is better than the. What was the Canes thing again? What was their after their post game? What was that called? I forget what that like fucking oh, the storm, storm surge. surge. It's better than storm surge. It's uh it's a good time. And they could just call the bit good time and it would be excellent. You know? This is our good time goal celebration. We invite all our fans to stay after the game for the good time win celebration. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Brought to you by Al City. Um yeah. There we go. And Al City get some free some free publicity, some free exposure as they say. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Owl City. Good You're stuff. welcome. We're talking about you. Only wins. Uh, anyway, uh, is that it for the Sins? Spending 10 minutes on their, their bad goal song and however long we spent on the rest of the team? Yeah, that seems about appropriate. They're not contending okay. or anything. And it's like, <laughs> is there anything much else to say? I don't think so. I think we we, we even touched on Eugene Melnick a few times. We, we covered all the bases. Yeah, how could you not touch on Eugene Melnick when you're t- talking about the Sands? Yeah, he's, he's um, their identity. All right, so speaking of another team in that general part of Canada, Dominique Ducharme was finally fired this week in the first year of his three-year contract extension. <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? Not me, especially after Kent Hughes in like his opening press conference was like, we're going to need to make sure we find the right coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but most people did think, he would at least ride it out till the end of the season. Um, but it became so painful. Uh, and there was the 7-1 loss to the god-awful New Jersey Devils. Kent Hughes finally, probably along with Jeff Gordon, decided to pull the plug on this terrible coach. And within a couple hours, to hire Martin St. Louis, who had been on no radars at all. Uh, has never coached at a level higher than Pee Wee. And even at Pee Wee, he was just an assistant coach, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and now all of a sudden, he's the interim head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and right away, uh, my mind went to, all right, what's the connection? There are a few connections. First of all, uh, he was acquired by the Rangers when Jeff Gordon was assistant GM there. Second is that his son plays in college with Kent Hughes' son. Uh, So there are a few. And now all of a sudden, this guy who has never coached before is getting to be a head coach. And, I mean, he's 0-2 so far. But I think these two games still were an improvement on how Ducharme was doing, which is one thing I was thinking about how this interim head coach coaching thing might go, which is that even if Martin St. Louis is really bad at it, 
it's probably going to be an improvement over how Ducharme's been doing for the first half or so of the year. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on just how bad of a coach Dominic Ducharme was. I think, I mean, it feels like we knew from day one, right? Um, that this guy didn't really know what he was doing. His lineup decisions were mystifying. His ice time allocation was bad uh, and did not, you know, he left he left good players as healthy scratches all the time uh, and just didn't play as good players enough. And, his, you know, tactically, it was awful. Uh, it was never... It, this team never gave the appearance of a well-coached team to anybody um, except maybe Habs management. And, you know, he obviously fluked into that, uh, that big run last year to the final. Um, but, you know, it was clearly, despite his coaching, um, you know, he, it was transparently a bad coach. And so, I, I, I mean, I was surprised he got the extension. He should not have got the extension. Uh, and now, you know, they're stuck with, with him on the tab for the next few years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he just... Man, I, I still don't understand what they saw in Ducharme that, you know, got, got them to promote him and then, you know, give him, give him the coaching tag when it was clear that he just wasn't cut out for the job. Like, he just, his head wasn't in it. Um, he, he just wasn't at the, he wasn't at the level and he was an active liability. He was always out coached, this guy. Uh, and so, you know, good, good riddance, honestly. Uh, I didn't love him. Uh, and, uh, you know, now he's out the door. And we all kind of know that he's he's a pretty bad coach, NHL-wise. Yeah, I remember before he was hired, I was kind of... He was on my radar a bit. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy might be a good coach in the NHL if he gets a chance. One reason, though, we weren't crazy about the hiring was that Claude Julien was, was still a great coach. And we were like, yeah, sure, he's going through a bit of a slump now. But why are you firing Claude Julien? Because he's very good at this. And Dominic Ducharme showed up. And all the problems that were starting to exist under Claude Julien just became amplified. Um, and it really makes you think, how bad of a coach do you have to be to make the finals and be fired like seven months later? Because in the NHL, normally, if you make the finals, you're safe for at least three years or so. And even then, you're going to have to do pretty badly uh, to get to get uh to get fired especially from a team that wasn't supposed to make the finals to begin with oftentimes the narrative will be all oh, look at Ducharme rallying the troops he took this ragtag bunch of underdogs and and led them to the finals uh but that wasn't the case everyone seems to know it was a total fluke uh including luckily Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes I imagine if Mark Bergevin were still around with the Habs that uh there's no way Ducharme would be fired now um but Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are like oh, he didn't go to the finals under our watch, what we're seeing right now is that he's awful and they're right. And so they fired him. Um, and I wonder if what often comes into play here is perhaps other teams around the NHL that are, will have coaching vacancies soon. If they'll say, Oh, why don't we go after the guy who made it to the finals last year? But honestly, I think Ducharme's was, was such a failure for the first half of this season that even that seems pretty unlikely. Oh yeah. absolutely. I mean, like that's the thing though. It's like, Man, you, you you say the first half of the season, but it's like his entire stint in Montreal. Like I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like they they scraped yeah, by the playoffs last year over a Calgary team that couldn't do shit uh, in a, in a division that was easy as pie. And then you know they they fluked their way there. You know he clearly was not a positive influence. Whatsoever. you know like Lou, he was out with COVID or whatever it was for a while. You know Luke Richardson came in. They didn't seem to miss a beat. Like what the hell did this guy bring to the table? Uh, I was. You know, well, that was the thing. It was so, like, you talk about, like, you know, like, uh, well, it's not often that, you know, we see a coach after a Stanley Cup final run. I think what's special with Dominic Ducharme was that it seems that it, he was so transparently bad to everybody who had eyes that, you know, 
at that point, it's like if you fire the guy, nobody's gonna be like, but but we think he's a good coach because he just made the fight. Like nobody was advocating for this guy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, you <laughs> nobody was advocating for his coaching talent and it's uh or or his tact his tactical brilliance. It was uh you know seems harsh to say about the guy uh but but you know it seems like it's the fact right i mean like you look at the team this year uh they they, they were terrible yeah i understand you know you lose a bunch of players but even then uh the young players weren't developing you know caulfield hadn't scored or he, he hadn't scored a far probably go all year and whatever and you know san louis comes in you know the the noob um and and, and all of a sudden he's got two goals already like caulfield in the first two games right so it's like you know you you can already see a difference uh, and maybe that's just, you know, the, what is it, the dead cat bounce after you fire a coach. Uh, but even then, you know, Deshaun was just, he was so obviously bad. And it was mystifying to me every single day whenever I thought about it that, uh, you know, how, how's he how's he the coach? Makes no sense. Yeah. Um, I'm very glad that Caulfield seems to be immediately thriving after Martin St. Louis hiring. Because I think he even said, like, Martin St. Louis was like his favorite player. He wore 26 growing up because of Martin St. Louis. So that's pretty neat, you know. Short short wingers, uh, solidarity or whatever you want to call it. And it seems to be working well. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's ever really easy to judge any new coach after just a couple games because, A, it's a small sample size, and, B, it's not easy to, you know, learn a new system or whatever that quickly. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, the new coach bump. Maybe you have some uh, a bit of adrenaline now after uh, – getting the old guy out and some new guy in, um, which will probably make it even harder at the end of the year to decide whether for Hughes and Gordon, if they want to stick with San Louis or not, um, because they do have a pretty decent stretch of games left. They have about how much, like 40 games left in the year or, or not quite that many, but almost 40. Um, and you're asking yourself, what are we comparing Martin San Louis to? If we're comparing him to what Ducharme did, we're almost definitely going to see significant improvement. Um, if we're comparing it to our expectations or the the expectations in general for the Canadians at the start of the year, which was playoff bubble, I don't think it's realistic to expect them to get to that level under Martin St. Louis. So I'm wondering what the threshold is for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon to decide to keep St. Louis around, give him an extension beyond just the interim tag. Yeah, I you know what I wouldn't be surprised if they you know looked at what he did. He, they're probably going to be fine for the rest of the season, or maybe they'll be bad. But if, if they're if they're probably they continue bad. to be this if they continue to be this bad, um, I obviously don't think he'll stick around for next season. But say they're just mediocre, um, I can I can see them giving him an extra season. Um, and and because and I want to get into this for a minute. Um, yeah, you touched on it earlier. It's like the it's the seemingly, you know, the nepotism that we see in this sport. Um, where it's like, you know, where are the connections to the GM or the connections to the, the, the president of hockey ops? Um, and, and you can easily find them. And, and it's it just like seems like this time around is particularly gross, you know? And it's like, you know, we see it often with like uh, you know, recycled coaches and like, you know, they've they've been around forever, so they know all the GMs and they're all buddy buddy with them. Uh but this one like this guy was like fucking coaching Pee Wee uh, a week ago, and it's like, really, really, it didn't. It doesn't seem like you did your homework very well. Um, and it's like, you know, it's just they just took what you know a Hall of Fame player, which yeah, he, he was a Hall of Famer as a player though, you know. And it's like, no pedigree as a coach whatsoever. And I understand he can say the right things and whatnot, and like the media is raving about him on Twitter. 
whenever I'm looking at it and the quotes that he gives. But it's like, man, you, you could have done a better job doing your homework, at least, you know, you know, pretend to look into it more, at least. Well, no, don't pretend. But, you know, there, there was no appearance of, of, you know, looking outside the box, potentially, you know, trying to look at, you know, so, someone who's potentially more diverse that comes from a different background uh, other than former player. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it, it's, it, yeah, it, it is suspicious. I don't know what the word is to use here, um, but it leaves me with kind of an icky feeling looking at how he got the job. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, A, he probably gave a great interview and said similar things to what he said to the media, which was something in the vein of like, all my career has been me proving the doubters wrong. And I can so easily see Gordon Hughes being like, oh, that's amazing. Well, you're hired. Uh, you're going to prove all the doubters wrong yet again, uh, despite the fact that playing and coaching are two totally different things. And it's like, this isn't a Disney movie, guys. Please. This is real life. Um, but anyway, I don't know if you saw... Um, there was a little bit of a Twitter fight concerning the Canadians coaching game between EJ Raddick and Frank Saravalli. Did, did you see this at all? No, I didn't see it at all. Okay, I went to go find it. It looks like EJ Raddick's first tweet is deleted, sadly. Um, but basically, it started with Raddick saying something like, oh, this is going to be very good for Montreal because Ducharme was a, a terrible coach who brought no accountability and structure to the locker room or something like that. Um, and Frank Cervalli here in the response, I think was to that says, with all due respect, what do you know about Ducharme's presence, communication or accountability? How much time have you spent around him? QMJHL champ, Mem Cup champ, WJC gold, Stanley Cup finalist. He has room to go, but I can say with 100% confidence that he is 0% phony. Which reminds me, EJ Raddick also says something about how like the players can sniff out the phonies or something. Um, so EJ Raddick quote tweets that and says, uh, and one more thing, with due respect, don't confuse being an excellent reporter with knowing anything significant about the game on the ice. And Frank Saravalli replies to that. Uh, this is all like uh, three days ago, by the way. <laughs> okay. I guess when you get embarrassed for assassinating the character of a guy you don't know, your only resort is to attempt to question my knowledge of the game. Laughing emoji. Have some class. Don't shit on people on their way out. And I think that's where it ends. Um, but yeah, this was this was kind of funny. For whatever reason, Frank Saravalli seems to get into these feuds every now and then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh i gotta say i'm not such a big fan of either guy because uh ej raddick um is potential is definitely correct that dominic Ducharme is a bad coach and there's no real reason for frank saravalli to defend him so in conclusion uh both of these people are just being extremely cringe yeah <laughs> uh, and it's <laughs> and it's an extremely pointless argument that seemed to to honestly resort to attacking the individuals more than the arguments even faster than usual <laughs> yeah it was so fucking petty what's this about it's like two 12 year olds on the internet f- duking it out over like you know fucking ej raddick's uh what his take on dominic ducharme was so offensive to frank cervalli that he had to start a twitter beef yeah. over it <laughs> like it's, it's not I even a phony <laughs> like man the take isn't even that bad it's just like it's it's just you're you're it's like boilerplate hockey man talk like oh he didn't have the accountability in the room and shit like that um which like you know in its own is is not the best take in that it's 
seemingly lacks substance. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, but you know, it that's the thing. It lacks substance, so it's not worthy of a a, a Twitter beef. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what Frank Saravali is doing, uh, and I don't know what EJ Horatic is doing. I don't know why they're going at each other like this. Um, seems like you know, seems like Saravali kind of instigated though, though. Uh, and you know, you mentioned his history with yeah. Twitter beefs. Uh, I, I I'll put the blame on him seventy thirty. Um, for but yeah, no, no winners here. That's that that's a hundred percent for sure. Zero winners came out of the situation. Uh, but as soon as, soon as Frank Saravali or kind of anyone like that starts with all with all due respect, you know, you're probably in for a doozy and something that's incredibly offensive and disrespectful, probably. Uh, and that's that's got to be one of my least favorite sayings because a it sounds polite in that you're like, I'm not trying to be mean to you. But also, with all due respect, can easily mean uh, there Zero. is no respect due to you. <laughs> and I'm going to give you exactly that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it really is. Uh, it leaves that door open to that in, in that interpretation, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> what a stupid fucking saying. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's <laughs> there's there's no reason for this. It's like it's like, you know. What's what's with this aggressive behavior? I don't understand. Why can't you just go about your day and like be happier? I don't know. Come on, Frank. Get off your phone. Go do something else. Go grab a fresh air. Go grab a fresh air. Why not? Go grab a fresh air. Do it. It'll do it'll be it'll do wonders for your health compared to, you know, engaging in a Twitter war completely needlessly. I mean, yeah, over it will definitely do yeah. It'll definitely be a better use of time than a Twitter debate. We'll be trying to grab a, f- a fresh air, whatever that's, that means. That's right. It's, it's, it's better than, you know, hashing it out over Dominic Ducharme, who is now, you know, completely irrelevant. And uh, that's, you know, uh, well, you know, maybe he's just trying to butter butter him up. Maybe he's just trying to be an... He, Frank's just trying to get it in with Dom Ducharme for his next coaching gig. He's like, I stuck up for you. I stuck up for you from the vicious attacks of EJ Hradic. Give me the inside scoop next time you got a job, bud. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other transaction the Canadians made this week was made earlier today, where I, I think that Jeff Gordon slash Ken Hughes' first deal on the job is an absolute win, uh, ex- extremely low uh, low risk, and extremely high potential for the Hamburglers to go on yet another miraculous run. Yes, that's because. <laughs> They've traded Brandon Baddock, career minor league player, who I think has, has about seven points in the minors this year, if I remember correctly from when I checked this morning, in exchange for Andrew Hammond, Ottawa Senators legend, um, who has played way more than one NHL game as opposed to Brandon Baddock. So as, as I mentioned to you, if we are comparing these two players whose last names are both spelled consonant A, double consonant O, consonant, consonant, then I think Montreal has clearly come out on top. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know Andrew Hamm was 34 years old uh, until today. I thought oh, he was. Oh God! I needed it. I, I thought he was like 30, maybe. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought he was in his 20s. I, I maybe 29 at the very oldest. Uh, but but nah, he is he is fully 34. But anyways, that's besides the point. Yeah, he seems like he was. Like, it was just yesterday when he went on that run. Um, but uh, but yeah, seven years ago. Well, you're you're gonna have a you. Yeah, well, you're, what you're getting in the trade is um, a goalie who will play for you in the NHL, and you're trading away a player who will no, not be playing for you in the NHL, um, even if he was still in your organization. So, uh, you know, they needed goaltending help. That's the thing, right? They needed a body in there. Um, 
And it's apparent by the fact that, you know, now he's been called up and because Primo was just getting shelled. It was not good for his development. And, you know, they sent Primo down to the, to the AHL where he should probably be for the time being because, uh, you know, at least there, he'll have like a competent team in front of him, uh, rel- you know, relatively speaking. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's a net W. You're getting in, well, maybe not NHL caliber, but someone who will play for you in the NHL. And they needed that badly right now. And they didn't give up any draft assets. So good for them. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is the main thing Montreal got in this trade was sending Caden Primo to the Rocket because as it was, Carey Price, Jake Allen, and Michael McNeven all unavailable. Uh, Price is still on leave. Allen and McNeven are both on IR. So Primo and Montembeau were the only two goalies in the entire organization signed to NHL contracts. Uh, So this was the only possible way, basically, uh, for them to send Primo to the minors. Now they did. As you say, they really just needed a body. They just needed someone to probably be pretty much the backup to Montembeau. It's probably going to be a starting goalie backup goalie situation now with Samuel Montembeau <laughs> as the number one. Uh, and he was he was quite excellent today, actually, against the Blue Jackets. Um, I don't know if you saw that game, but he both goalies were actually quite great uh, when it was tied 1-1 late. And then Patrick Laine scored on the power play with seven seconds left uh, to, to stop Montreal from potentially getting their ninth win of the season. Yeah, so so in other words, Patrick Laine just, you know, helped the tank effort uh, for Montreal. So shout out to him. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. It's, what, first of all, Sam Montembeau as a starter is extremely funny, um, you know, because of all the injuries. And uh, yeah, Andrew Hammond, back in the NHL. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's over the moon about this trade, you know? Because he, he sure, be. shit, sure shit wasn't uh, doing anything in, I forget what team was he on. Was he in Colorado? Um, Minnesota, Minnesota. There we go. I even I already forgot the team he was on before. Uh, that's how irrelevant irrelevant he was in Minnesota. And so now he'll get some starts. Good for him. Shout out. All the best. Mm, he, he had been on the Avalanche though at a certain point. I think even in 2018 he might have played some playoff games when they had a bunch of injured goalies, uh, like against Nashville or something. So uh, he's been around a bit. I think he went Ottawa, Colorado, Minnesota. Um, but he has definitely played uh, significantly more amount of games than uh, Brandon Baddock did, which I'm not even sure. Like, what's the rationale for Minnesota to make a trade like this? Because I know they're they're pretty well set in net uh, with Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen. But it seems to me that, you know, a couple injuries, especially for a team that should be in the playoffs, uh, and, you know, you're kind of boned. You got Zane McIntyre as, like, your third-string goalie now. And it seems to me that having Hammond with some NHL experience as part of your insurance plan there is much more valuable than having Brandon Baddock, who is, uh, you know, a minor league player. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair observation. I think, you know, maybe they liked Brandon Baddock, their player evaluation department did. And so, you know, you get him in for a guy who you don't think is ever going to play for you uh, in Hammond. and. I mean, like, then again, if, like, you know, up until the trade deadline, you could very conceivably get an Andrew Hammond caliber goaltender for a Brandon Baddock caliber, you know, caliber player. So I don't think it's such a, you know, I think it's a case where it sounds like they like Brandon Baddock and the Habs came and call in and they're like, who do you want? And they're like, hey, how about Brandon Baddock? And because we've been, we kind of like what he does in the AHL and, uh, What's wrong with some AHL depth? And I think that's that's how that materialized. Hmm. 
Interesting. So part of your rationale for the deal was, well, they could probably very easily make a comparable reverse of the trade and get back to square one. So (laughs) maybe this is square two. Maybe this is square 1.3, you know? So it's like, if you're into, if you're, if you're into that Brandon Baddock stuff, you know, into his AHL play, (laughs) if you're into it, if you're into it, you know, if if the scouting department is just drooling over it, um, then uh might be concerned about any not? scouting department that's <laughs> drooling over Brandon Baddock. Might need some to shake things up in there. Hey, you know what? Um oh yeah, we I don't think we've mentioned it, but we, we, we bought tickets to the to the wild game uh with the Habs. And uh we did. We did, and it's in April and uh you know the Bell Center's opening up in mid March. So you never know. We might get a Baddock Hammond Match NHL up. game That'd matchup. That'd be crazy. Imagine Brandon Baddock gets called up. <laughs> I would love to see it. You know, if the Wild are that down bad, that would be kind of upsetting to watch. Objectively speaking, yeah, as a hockey be. game, but uh, it would be it would be it would be funny for the memes. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's move on now to another coach that was fired this week, Dave Tippett by the Oilers, and replaced by uh jay woodcroft who i had never heard of um the oilers as we all know have been a massive disappointment um and it's the same story as it always is with the oilers media you know how you know most fans will say something about how oh it's been you know a massive failure of management for like the last 15 years or so uh ryan Eugene hopkins this is his 12th coach in 11 years how insane is that <laughs> <laughs> 12 coaches in 11 years and people were saying after that stat came to light forget mcdavid and dry settle nugent hopkins is the one who we need to get out of there we need to save him please um and now all of a sudden here's the next guy in line number 12 i'm sure they'll get it right now i'm sure jay woodcroft is the one for the job uh to get the most out of cody cc and company um do we think that this provides any sort of boost and maybe they can get back into the playoff picture or are the Oilers going to continue plummeting? What's like, your guess? I, okay, so see, I I can't speak really to the quality of Dave Tippett's coaching. Um, from what I hear on like Twitter, he wasn't particularly good. Had an irregular affinity for Mike Smith and playing him. Um, but uh, and playing him, Mike Smith and <laughs> playing him. Yeah, two separate things. Uh, and uh, you know, it's 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 hard to gauge. Uh, I think you definitely have to factor in, you know, the 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 new coach effect, whatever you want to call it. So that's, you know, there's that. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, this team is not good, you know, like behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. And we talked about it before. And so, you know, they, they've, they've after some free falling, I don't think maybe they'll claw back. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. No, They're not making the playoffs. It now it's it's closer than I think, than you, than I thought it was. Okay. Um, they are... When you rank by points percentage, they are just one spot out of the last wildcard spot uh, where the Ducks are. And they are just... Wait, where are they? Uh, Yeah, they are only four points behind the Ducks with two games in hand. Uh, sorry, no, four points behind the Ducks with four games in hand. And also Dallas, who is in the top wildcard spot, they are one point behind Dallas with the same amount of games played. So they're they're very much still in the mix. Um, and it's not like there. It's not like it'll take a miracle for them to claw back into this. So, you're, I'm making my prediction now. Oilers are making the playoffs. Just wait right. and see. It's gonna happen. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna say 
Um, hmm, who we got? So they could conceivably pass the Kings, the Ducks, the Stars. Um, all right. And they only need to pass one of them. Yeah, they only need to pass one of them. So, uh, and it's Jay Woodcroft at the helm. Hmm, you know what? I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, you know, manifest a good Mike Smith stretch for my fantasy team. Started last night, by the way. He had like 37 saves. They won 4-1. Now, it, it, nonetheless, it was against the it was the Islanders. But, you know, it, baby steps, as they say. Uh, so, yeah, I'll say they'll, they'll pass the Kings. I don't buy the Kings. I think the Ducks will squeak, squeak in. Um, that's my take. Not, 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 not a particularly thrilling, you know, team will make it in the playoffs in the Pacific there. But uh, somebody's got to do it. So I'll take the Oilers. For, I would love to see McDavid in the playoffs, even if it means getting, like, swept by the Golden Knights. Again, well, I remember they got swept by the Jets last year in a exactly. massive disappointment. Yep. Um, I wonder though if the Oilers do make the playoffs, if there's any sort of response or even an under correction to the hullabaloo last year that was McDavid drew no penalties, um, and he and he should have because look at all the assaults he's been he had to persevere through. Um, but the more likely thing is that we just see the same thing we see every year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like we've already forgotten about that. Nobody's talking about it. I mean, if it was if it was a legitimate conversation, we would have it even though it's the regular season. Um, and I mean, we'll probably get in the same uproar once he's eliminated if he makes the playoffs. But I don't I don't see it moving the needle much, to be totally honest. Um, you know, NHL officials are going to are going to do their thing. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, let's talk now about Tuka Rask retired this week um he as we all know spent the first few months of the season off rehabbing from an injury came back signed a one-year deal technically less than a one-year deal with the Bruins um played a couple of good games played several bad games didn't feel too good and said I'm gonna call it a career uh it's been a very successful career for Tuka Rask he won at least one Vesna trophy he won a, a Stanley Cup albeit as a backup goalie uh, he was one of the top goalies in the league for quite a significant stretch of time. And yet somehow Bruins fans hated him <laughs> the entire way through. Uh, and, and now he's he's retired. Um, and a player of Tukarask's caliber, I think it's probably Hall of Fame bubble, we could call it. Um, as you may know, I'm a proponent of a big hall. Let all the good players in. Um, and obviously, you have to draw the line somewhere. But if it were up to me, sure. Put Tukarask in the Hall of Fame. Why not? He won a Vezina Trophy. That's very impressive. Put him in the Hall of Fame just for that. Uh, how about you? Where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, on the, on the Hall of Fame issue, uh, why the hell not? You know? Uh, he was, you know, and just just as a, it would be pretty funny. You know, because he was he was so much maligned by the, you know, the Boston sports uh, world. Um, you know, nobody seemed to love him, even though... What what is he like first in fran- in the franchise in what games played, wins, he's like second in save percentage, shutouts, goals against average. Like how these guys kept a nine twenty one save percentage his entire career. Um, so that's that's good enough for me. Um, uh, throw him in there. I mean, he's definitely one of the uh the better goalies of the generation. Uh, top. I don't I don't have the list off the top of my head, but probably top seven. 
well, definitely top seven, maybe top five. It's uh, a pretty random number. <laughs> it is a pretty well, random it depends, number. It depends where you cut off the generation. If are we thinking like Lundquist is definitely number one of whatever right. we're talking about, Luongo, or maybe Flurry. I don't know. That one's pretty polarizing. Yeah, Carey Price. Uh, if you if you like, I I might have Rask ahead of even both Flurry and potentially Price. Um, anyone else come to mind? Bobrovsky he won a couple of Vesnas. Yeah. Any other names? Uh, not Vasilevsky. that I can think of. Does, see, yeah, is Vasilevsky count yeah. that generation? Do, do we put Vasilevsky in the same generation as Luongo? Like that? That feels kind of like they don't belong together. They don't. It. I guess that's the, the that's the uh, that's the problem when you have a you know a draft every year is that it can become there's a lot of overlap. But anyways, uh, definitely definitely one of the best goalies in, in my lifetime. Let's put it that way. Um, For sure. And and uh, yeah. Put him in the hall. I uh, I don't see uh, why not. One of the best goalies in Bruins history. So, and he won a cup. So he he's got that. Even though he wasn't the starter, I don't give a shit. I give it to him anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tuka Rask, the year before they won the Stanley Cup, was the starting goalie in the year where they blew a three nothing series lead to the Flyers and lost in the second round. Uh, which uh, some would say made them angry enough to to win the Stanley Cup the next year. So really, Tuukka Rask is is very much to thank for that Stanley Cup victory. Absolutely, he's the uh, he's number one responsible for 2011 in 2011. <laughs> should, um, yeah, he he should have won the Conn Smythe instead of Tim Thomas. <laughs> he really should have. I agree. Um, but yeah, no, he he gave the them like my trophy for sucking last year goes to <laughs> Tuukka Rask. I would be here for it. I would be here for it. Um, but yeah, no. He gave him stable goaltending for like a full decade. You don't see that, right? He never had a he never had a season where he like he had one season where he was a nine twelve. That was the worst his entire career. Um, other than that he was nine fifteen and above. That's that's pretty insane. Um, and you know, he basically kept them in like the Bruins have had uh, have been in the playoffs for for how many years now? I don't know, probably nine out of ten. I I have no idea what the count is, but it's uh looks like he's made the playoffs. One, two, three, four, five, seven times in the last ten years. Um, that is a remarkable stretch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congratulations to Garask. You had a pretty nice career. Uh, moving on now. Let's segue off of that. Uh, oh, did we want to talk about stay on the Bruins? Talk about that Brad Marchand suspension. Have anything to say about that, or can we jump into trivia? Yeah, sure. Touch it briefly. Um, you know, it's. It's it's uh it's interesting because he got six games, which is a lot by DOPS standards for something that uh I don't know it was it was like I don't know how big of a deal to make of this you know like it was like it was a sucker punch and like an intentional high stick, but like don't we see that every game? But then again, it seemed particularly egregious on this one, um and also the you know the player safety they don't the DOPS they never suspend anything up to standard anyway like what what they should be anyways so. I don't even know how to feel about this. Like, I feel like it's it's warranted because, you know, you don't want that kind of thing in the game. Um, but at the same time, it's like it felt out of nowhere. And perhaps uh, it's because it's Marshand and he is who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually still haven't watched that play, so I can't really make a comment on it. So I'll just Fair. take your word for it. Moving on. All right. Um, you, have a tri- you have a trivia for me this week. Um. I'm very excited, as always, to find out the topic. All right. Um, our topic this week is uh, the one and only Martin St. Louis. 
made a little quiz on him, did some research, uh, and I have 10 questions. And uh, it's pretty straightforward as a quiz. It's just questions and you give me the answer. And uh, I am not doing a multiple choice. I think I think I'm gonna do pretty well at this because I was looking at his hockey DB page earlier this week and I was like, oh, he was uh he was still pretty good right when he retired. Like he had, had like 20 goals or something in his last year. Uh, so I was I was looking around. I feel like some some facts are fresh in my mind. So I'm confident, as they say, um, the quiz maker is concerned. All right. So what do we set the bar? <laughs> I got 10 questions. Seven. All right. Seven. Classic. Okay. All right. Uh, so first of all, let us let us let us have you name all the teams, NHL teams he's played for. Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers, the end. All right. And you're 0 for 1, unfortunately. All right. Wait, did he play uh, for the Flames? <laughs> I believe he did. No, one second. I thought he was up. just signed by the Flames and then traded to the Lightning before he played for them. That's possible. Um but he, he did spend two years in that organization. So uh, I'm inclined to believe that he did, in fact, play for them. Um, I yes, might be did. wrong, but can you just he look? Oh. He did play. He played fifty. He played 13 games his first year, and he played 56 games the next. So you know, and then they bought him out. So this guy was bought out. Out of out of, he even wasn't even traded. Was bought out by the Flames. <laughs> Very at funny. like the age of like what 24. <laughs> Basically, uh, what year was he bought out? 2000. He was 25. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's insane. That's gonna be one of the worst decisions of all time. <laughs> yeah, they they exposed him in the 2000 expansion draft, and then after they didn't pick him, they bought him out. So oh, he wasn't were... picked in the expansion <laughs> draft. No. Oh come were... on! Wow, that's that's wow the the who would, that was the Wild and the Blue Jackets. That's right. Are still living with the tragedy to this day. Awful, awful. Um. So yeah, that's that. Over one. Um. But yeah, he did have a a very. Uh, a low-key start to his career in Calgary. Um, all right. Let's see. So, um, much has been made of the fact that he was a uh, peewee coach before. Um, but he, he he did have experience as a, uh, as a member of a coaching staff slash front office before this job. And after his retirement, uh, what team was it on? Oh, I have no idea. Um, my, the only logical answer to me feels like the Rangers. Cause I don't think he went back to Tampa. Cause I think he had some kind of beef with Steve Eisenman at that point to do with the Olympic team or something. Uh, so I'm going to go with the New York Rangers. No, he followed John Tortorella to the Columbus blue jackets out in like 2017 oh. as a special teams. Follow Tortorella there. Oh yeah. my God. Uh, this is not going well for me at all. <laughs> Bad choice. I can't, I can't say I love the career move from St. Louis, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's where he went. Um, all right, zero for two. Tough shit. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, name all the major trophies he has won. So you don't need to give me the year or the number. Just name. Give me the names of the the major trophies that he's won in his career. Okay. Uh, he won an Art Ross Trophy. Did he win a heart? I don't think so. And I don't think he won a rocket Richard either. I think he won a Lady Bing one year. This is so hard because I'm like, did he win a fucking Mark Messier leadership trophy? I no, don't no, know. no, no, no. That, that that does not count. We were you can you can ask me if a trophy counts, and 
I choose that the Mark Messier. Well, I know that one's new, but um, you know. Okay. Uh, he didn't win the Consmite. That was Brad Richards who won. Uh, I'll just go with Art Ross and Lady Bing. Oof, down bad. Um, he also won a heart trophy in 2003, 2004. Um, oh, so... How am I supposed to know what awards <laughs> he won in 2004? <laughs> Fair. But you did say you were just looking at his his, his DB or whatever. Not so, that uh, closely. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Um, he actually won three Lady Bings, so, so good for him. Short King. Yeah, I knew um, he was a la- big Lady Bing guy. Yeah, yeah. They were, the voters were into him on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, he won He won that. He won the Art Ross in the same year as the Heart. All right, time for me to get seven questions correct in a row about Martin right. St. Louis. Here we go. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. We know... We know you know his number on the lightning, but what number did he wear on the Rangers? You say that like he has a different number, but I'm I don't think he did. Um but maybe he did. Uh for some reason like the number thirteen is sticking out to me, but like half of twenty six. Uh I'll just go with twenty six. Did he wear twenty six right. on the Rangers? Very nice. He did. I tried to Okay. Throw a banana peel in your way, um, but uh, you sure did. Didn't, didn't work. Didn't work. It didn't work because you did mention that he was twenty six earlier. Um, so I was like, you know, oh shit, he knew that. So I got, I got to try to prank him. All right, next up, <laughs> um, what year was he uh, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Um, I didn't even know he was already there. Oh, I should have uh, asked that as a question. <laughs> All right, I would have said yes. I think so. Um, so he retired in twenty fifteen. I'm pretty sure it's like three years before you can be eligible, which brings you to 2018. I don't imagine he would have had to wait longer than that. So I'm going to go 2018. All right. Very nice. Two out of five. It was indeed 2018. All right. Nice. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. I mentioned that he was the coach of a peewee team. Uh, he's the coach of the mid-Fairfield Rangers U13 AAA team. Um, here's my question. What province slash state is that team located in? Mid Fairfield? Yes. Mid Fairfield Rangers, U13 AAA. Where are they at? Okay. I, I'm not sure if they use the peewee terminology in the United States at all. Um, I'm going to guess uh, Ontario. I just I have no idea. Unfortunate. Uh, if you didn't know this, you were never going to get it. Um, he it was he was in Connecticut. I don't know why. Um, what the fuck is in Connecticut? But he was there, and he, that's where the Mid Fairfield Rangers were are currently play. Uh, he was also their head coach, by the way. He wasn't. I don't think he was just an assistant. So. Oh. They're, okay. They're, well. They're I guess I know even less than I thought about Martin <laughs> Saint Louis. Oh well. Damn. All right. What do we got now? Um. Okay, so yeah, he was traded to the Rangers from the Lightning. Um, uh, he was combined with a second for a first, a conditional second that turned into a first, a seventh-round pick, and this player. Ryan is... Callahan. All right, very nice. Can't for- I can't forget that one. That was an iconic trade. That was a Dude. classic deadline day. <laughs> that was the day the uh, the Canadians got Thomas Vanek, and I was like, no way, they got Thomas Vanek! Because they were talking, oh, he's going to go to like, Minnesota or Boston. And I remember James Duthie was like, oh, we've got word Thomas Vanek has indeed been traded, but we're not sure to where yet. And they're like, do you think it's Boston or Minnesota 
or some other surprise place. And then he was like, oh, here we have it. He's been treated to the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, let's go. <laughs> the best kind of surprise. It's a Tom yeah. Vanek surprise. You'll have to see And the it. reason oh, was Montreal was the only team, apparently, who was like, eh, well, sure, we'll take the full salary and give you a shitty-ass return. And everyone <laughs> else was like, no, please, we'll chain a bit. And Montreal was like, eh, we'll take the entire last, like, two months of the contract. And the Islanders was like, we're like, thank you so much. We'll take Sebastian Kohlberg. <laughs> um, yeah, man, there's, there's, there's nothing quite like that feeling, eh, when you're, like, a kid and, like, your team acquires a big name. And it's like, yeah. it's good vibes. And like, it's, it's, For sure. and it's not, you're not losing a big player on your own, of your own. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, Thomas Vanek, what a scorer. What a legend. All right. Um, a related question would be, uh, what, well, St. Louis requested a trade prior to, prior to the deadline. Why did he request a trade? Um, what I, 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 this is a kind of this is a bad question because I think people no nothing was ever confirmed that I know of. I remember there were rumblings that like he was left off the Sochi Olympic team, uh, by and Steve Eiserman, who was the GM of the Lightning, was also the GM of that team, and he was it was upset about it, and someone was even thinking like, oh, Steve Eiserman just did it to like preserve St. Louis for the playoffs for his own team, and which is kind of ridiculous, um, but then when Stamkos wasn't able to go because of his injury. Then San Luis was added to the roster afterward, um, and apparently that like caused a caused a rift between San Luis and Iserman. Um and he was also and he was like, I want to get traded, and also I only want to get traded to the Rangers, and he had some kind of clause that he could decide that. Um, so that's like the best reason I have, but there's also maybe there was something about like. Uh, I don't know a significant other lives in New York or maybe I'm just making that up though I'll go with that Olympic thing that convoluted Olympic rift that's what all right that's that, that's exactly what it was but not it's not only speculation he's confirmed it himself um that that was the oh, reason wow. he was unhappy um was because he, he was snubbed for the Olympic team um and you know he said that was the reason why and he had that he had a no move clause I gotta he, say yeah I gotta say that's pretty immature of him <laughs> No, get no, over yourself, Martin. No fucking kidding. Um, very funny. Franchise legend forces his way out, goes to New York because he was he didn't make the Olympic team as like a and what? ended up on the Olympic team anyway as a thirty nine year old, no less. Um, Insane. <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, he had a no move, which is why how he uh, how he was able to just go to New York and choose his destination. Um, but but yeah, no, very very petty shit. Being like, oh, for sure. His own, G- like, that's the thing. His own GM just like happened to be the Canadian general manager, and it's like it's a very specific sequence of events that is, yeah, <laughs> remarkable. That that's why he left Tampa Bay. Uh, so that's that. Um, all right. Okay, so what are we at? We're at quite eight questions. I got two more left. Um, okay. All right. How's this one? Classic. Our, our short king, um, round it to the nearest inch, and I'll give you. No, I'm not gonna give you any leeway. Well, how tall is this guy? Oh, there must be different listings on different. All sites. right, fine. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you one inch of leeway off the official Wikipedia listing. All right, then I'm gonna go with five foot nine. All right, 
you you use that one inch leeway pretty well because uh, he's five foot eight. So uh, okay, all right, good shit. I was th- um, I was thinking like I'm pretty sure it's either five eight or five nine is what he's listed as in most places, um, but I also know every now and then they'll they'll way exaggerate and like give them an extra like two inches. So I was like just in case he has a five ten listing somewhere, I'm gonna go with the five nine option. He's a height expert. Um, I sh- I should have cross referenced. You're absolutely right. What is Marty St. Louis yes. height? Yes. All right. Um, final question. Um, this one's a tough one, but I'll do it anyways. Um, so yeah, we said he, he wore number 26, uh, and that was because, uh, of, of which Habs great who was even shorter five foot seven, um, who wore 26 for the Habs and is 12th in all time scoring for the Habs. Who this guy? There was a Habs great whose number wasn't retired. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know about Habs great. It was the guy who was a relevant okay. figure, I guess. Five seven. I I couldn't tell you. Uh, the name that comes to mind is Vincent Donfus, but I don't even know if he was playing that much before Saint Louis, and I have no idea if he was even number twenty six. I should have said that's the best. That's the best. Tra- oh, you should have said what? I should have said I should because yeah, this was a tough question. I should have said Swedish. Um, Habs great. Oh, that well, that makes anything? it. Um. It changes it in that I know it's not Vincent Dufus <laughs> anymore, but I also can't think of anyone uh, Swedish who played for the Habs in that time. Uh, uh, I got nothing. I'm going to go with William Nylander. <laughs> Dead on. Uh, no, it's Matt Nablin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh. I could have gotten that one, maybe. Could have gotten oh, well. that, possibly. Oh, well. Uh, oh, well, indeed. Um, I think you finished at what five five out of ten, fifty percent. Yeah, you're fifty percent caught up on on Marte San Louis, but maybe now that after the quiz you're hundred percent caught up because uh, I don't know if there are any more fun facts about this dude. To be totally frank, um, so I'm sure there are. Yeah, but but now you know ten more or five more actually. So uh, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I've learned five new Marte San Louis facts. We're educated. We're educated on the Habs coach. All right, mm-hmm. so that's the quiz this week. Um, and that's its conclusion. Thank you, thank you very much for putting it together. Uh, despite the fact that it was a little too challenging for me, mm. um, Always- let, let us select now a new team to discuss for next week's episode. Any ideas? Mm, let me let me look. Let me look at them standings. Oh, we haven't done the standings yet. Have we done the Penguins? Uh, ooh, have we? I don't recall doing the Penguins. Um, it looks like the Pittsburgh Penguins have uh, three games this week. All right. And they are all relatively early in the week. It looks like they play like Thursday. Oh, I'm going backwards now. Thursday, Tuesday, and Monday. Um, oh, or no. Sunday. And Sunday. Wait. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, w- I was confused because we're it's not Sunday today. So, yeah, they play tomorrow. Yeah, so they play the Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. How does All that right. sound? Perfect. Oh, we get to see the Maple Leafs in action. Awesome. All right. And the dog shit flyers. And the devils the dog again. Dog shit flyers. All right. Yay. More New Jersey Devils. <laughs> oh, God. Who was their goalie this week again? What was his name again? Fuck. I... There was Nico Dawes Nico and John Dawes. Gillies. Okay. They're kind of in the same situation where both their number one and two goalies are out. So they got uh, 
John Gillies and World Junior disappointment. Nico does mm, one and only. Yeah, he was the one playing the Sens, right? So, yikes! All right, so we'll get some more of that action on the Jer- Devils goalie front. And uh, okay, it's solid. We're bouncing back to a uh, good team after indeed mingling with the Sens this week. Mingling. mingling. Yep. All right. Uh, before we sign off. I'll just say it's the middle of the fifth end right now in this USA Canada nope. men's curling game in the round All robin, right. and the score is six one Canada. You'll have to see it. You'll have to see it. All right. So, so good for who is it? Brad Gushu. Indeed, it is Brad Gushu and his band of merry men. That really that term really does apply extremely well to curling, <laughs> person and band of merry men. Yeah. Because if one guy <laughs> pretty much runs the entire team. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, well, and they they are separated by gender, so there we go. It's uh, mm-hmm. extremely accurate in this sense. So sure shout is. out to Brad Gushu, and shout out to whoever the American guy is. Who's the American dude? What's his last name? I don't know. I would tell you if I'd been paying more attention. Fair enough. But you've been recording a podcast. Um, indeed. So there we go. I said indeed like three times in the past minute. What's what's up with that? What's up with me? He's job hunting, so uh, he's got he's got that tab open. <laughs> it's how right the world now. works. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, thank you for the curling update. Uh, I'm sure it'll be out of date by the time the episode goes up. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add before we call it a week? Nope, that's it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Next week, we'll discuss the Penguins and other stuff. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Alex's New Handle and at Tai Seifu. And you can share this podcast around with all your closest friends and amigos. The end. <laughs> <laughs>